Welcome to the Select Star Podcast, your resource for innovative technology, developer topics, and more. Here's your host, Margo McCabe from the HarperDB team. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Select Star podcast. Thanks for tuning in again. Um, today, we have guest Santiago, who you may know from Twitter or social media or YouTube. Um, Santiago is a content creator, really into machine learning, um, a couple other interesting areas. I'll let you introduce yourself, Santiago, but thanks for, for joining today. Yeah, thank you for, for inviting me. No, I think you covered it perfectly. Uh, just machine learning engineer. Uh, by trade, I I really enjoy creating content. Uh, I think it's the act of teaching somebody how to do something what I what I'm passionate about. But uh, but yeah yeah I've been you know trying to 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 put content out there for almost three years now, and I'm using primarily Twitter and YouTube. So yeah, awesome. And you are, you're U.S. based, correct? Where are you based? I am U.S. based. I'm based okay. in West Palm Beach, Florida. Yeah. Okay, nice. I'm headed to a different part of Florida next week um, down near Naples, but I'm excited to cool. get some warmer weather. <laughs> yeah, it's very warm. Very yep. warm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, yeah, so before we jump into, um, you know, a little bit more about machine learning and, and some of the projects you're working on, would love to hear just a little more about kind of your background journey into tech? How did you get to where you are today? How'd you get into machine learning? Yeah, for sure. So I started, uh, so I went to college for computer science. That was a long time ago. That was in the late 90s. I graduated in 2004 uh, from college and I started working right away as a software developer. So that's primarily what my background was. And I kept doing that for a long time until 2015 which I decided to go back to college to get my master's degree. And primarily I wanted the computer science uh, specialization, which is the regular master's degree. While I was there, I took one machine learning class, uh, not necessarily because I wanted to get into machine learning, just because it was part of the program and I, I took the class. And I, I immediately connected with, like I was able to see problems that I was having at work that I didn't have solutions for them, I immediately saw a different way that I could approach those problems, right? And I think that was uh, sort of like the light bulb that goes off and says, okay, I want to do more of this, right? So I changed my specialization. I had to take even more classes that when I was, like I was gonna finish my master's at one point and then I had to kept going just to get the specialization, but I, I started taking classes about machine learning. And that's that's when the transition, quote unquote, happens. I don't like to think about it as a transition, more of uh, an augmentation of skills. But uh, yeah, since then, since 2015, I started focusing more and more on machine learning problems. Yeah, yeah. so that's that's the whole the whole story there, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really cool and good for you for deciding to go back to school. I know that can be, um, very difficult, a difficult decision and, and kind of daunting, but it seems that, um, it really led you to the path. And it's, it's cool to hear that you had that moment of like, oh, this is going to be the solution to the problems I've been seeing for years. And here's why I should go into this area because you understand it, you know, from a deeper perspective. So, yeah. um, it's, it's cool to hear, you know, all the folks I have on this podcast have really interesting, unique paths and, um, 
I think it's, it's always, I love hearing that like moment where they find the thing they're passionate about and like the thing that they yeah. want to focus on. <laughs> um, so, so then what are you working on now? I know you have um, a project binomial. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. And how was that created? You know, where did the idea for that come to be? Yeah, for sure. So, well, primarily what I work and what I do every single day, I work with the Boston Dynamics uh, spot robot. You probably have seen it around. It's the yellow. Uh, yeah. Robot I saw it at a conference recently, for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, good. So, yeah. So I built computer vision models that we run on top of the robot to do, uh, you know, basically a bunch of, we solve a bunch of use cases, primarily in the manufacturing and the, you know, the, the industry there. So that's what I do every single day. That's just mm -hmm. deploying these models on the edge and, and trying to analyze data that we capture with the robots. Uh, in addition to doing that, sort of like a side project, uh, a friend and I built uh, Binomial, which is just a website that gives you one machine learning question every single day. So that's our goal is for you to have something new every day. And we try to cover as many topics as, as possible. It's a great challenge, not only because I have to write the questions, but it's also you have to do research in order to write the questions and write the explanations that come with the questions, right? So we do little competitions there and people go and compete and they send me emails when they don't like the questions and all of that is super fun. But yeah, it's been going for now since April 1st. Okay. We're still not quite for a year, but yeah, we've already published more than 200 questions. It's wow. uh, It's been, yeah, it's been great so far. So yeah, we're, we're happy with it. Yeah, that's really interesting. So it's basically sort of a free resource for people that are learning Correct. or people that, you know, are advanced and just want to keep up with their skills to kind of come in each day and just have a little like five minute brain training session. And then does there, is there a screen afterwards that kind of says like, here's what you got wrong or here's how. That is correct. Work? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the, the main goal is for folks that want to keep their skills sharp, right? And, and we aim to challenge you to think of something that's a little bit different. Maybe we, we combine theory with practical questions. Like there are a bunch of questions that you will not be able to answer unless you've done the job before, right? Mm -hmm. So that questions like that, questions like there are 100% theoretical questions, but we try a combination there. And our goal is to, for you to get there and five minutes later, you leave uh, hopefully understanding something new. So yes, you answer the question and we immediately tell you what the right answer is and, and give you a full explanation and additional resources that you can go and check out if you want more information about that. If you're competing, uh, competing means answering tomorrow's question, not the question that we have today. Like if you answer today's question, we give you the explanation right away. You can also opt to answer the question that we're going to publish tomorrow. Okay. In which case, we do not tell you what the right answer is. You have to wait until tomorrow. We don't tell you what the right answer is, so you cannot cheat, obviously. Right. <laughs> and in that case, that score, your score on that question, uh, will be used for a leaderboard. So we have a public leaderboard. Every month is a separate competition. And obviously, whoever gets to the top wins at the end of the month. That's, that's oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fun way to to kind of gamify it and create that sort of competition, yeah. make people um, give a little more motivation for trying. I, I love that idea. So yeah. I'll be sure to to put the link to that site then in the show notes for anyone listening. Um, that sounds like a really fun 
sort of resource. Um, I know me, like I sometimes even just try downloading different apps on the phone and things like that, like different brain training exercises and things. Cause once you've been out of school for a while, it's like, you forget even some yeah. of the basic concepts of different, <laughs> different things. I love that idea. Um, also going back to, you know, what you're doing in your day-to-day -day with Boston Dynamics, I'd love to hear just a little bit about, I know you said working on like machine learning at the edge that just kind of piqued my interest. That's something, you know, here at Harper DB that we're actually focusing on a lot. Um, edge is something we've been talking about for years and we're, um, you know, working with a lot of different like telecom and gaming and media companies to help deploy machine learning at the edge because of all the benefits. So I'm curious yeah. if, you know, what you're doing in that, what kind of benefits you're seeing um, around that. Yeah, absolutely. So I can give you I can give you a specific example. So mm -hmm. think of a think of a, a like a big warehouse, big factory, for example, right? They have these factories are huge and they have many, many different inspection points where they have to check the pressure of tanks or they have to check uh, the temperature of different pieces of equipment. And right now, those inspections are either not done or mm -hmm. done by people or people do them every month instead of every single day, right? So it's really expensive to do all of that to cover uh, that much area. Sometimes it's even dangerous for people to get there. Think of a nuclear plant where you have to send somebody to check the temperature of equipment in an area that could have, uh, you know, radioactivity there. Mm -hmm. So they are, uh, instead of using people to do this, or instead of not doing it at all, they're using these uh, robots that they can send and do those inspections. So our job is to create the models that are actually going to, you know, look at the pictures and analyze the pictures and, and decide whether there is a problem or not. So one specific example is we have a model that reads analog gauges. And you will be surprised, what are we doing with analog gauges in 2022? Well, guess what? Some of these factories have tens of thousands of analog gauges. There is no way we can replace those with, dig with digital gauges. We have to use the analog gauges. This is equipment from the 80s, from the 90s. Nobody's going to replace that. Yep. So yeah, we need something to take a picture of a gauge, analyze that gauge, read the gauge. There are, I don't know, a bazillion different type of gauges. So we have to read the gauge and then decide whether that specific reading is problematic, right? Uh, right? Whether this tank has to be between 100 and 120 PSI. Mm -hmm. And all of that is done autonomously by a robot that does the same mission every day or twice a day or every week, whatever it's. So that's the goal of what we're seeing. It's a massive improvement in the way these companies run a massive improvement because now maintenance is way easier like they can detect when a problem is about to happen like an equipment running too hot way before the equipment actually breaks because when it breaks at that point production stops the cost is huge so if we can do this uh preemptive maintenance it's it's great for companies yeah those are some examples of yeah of these solves. yeah no that's that's really interesting it's um certainly an area that we are very immersed in and it's I love hearing the different like real life use cases of how that can make yeah. a difference and with the robots it's almost taking it to the next step from like IoT I know some you know factories and machinery places are putting IoT sensors in to try yeah. to track some of that data but then 
having robots that go around that actually have to read the meters, that's like taking it to the next step. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, the IoT, IoT is a great solution in certain mm -hmm. places. Some places you cannot run electricity, for example. Right. So exactly. having something that's digital is yeah. not feasible because you cannot run electricity there. So at that point, the robot will come in handy. The robot okay. is also a platform that moves. So you can cover a lot yeah. of space, obviously. Uh, you don't have to like, like for example, you can have a specific room and put cameras on that room and put the sensors. But then if you want that at scale and you have a thousand different locations, you will have to repeat the same thing over and over and over, right? The robot will doesn't care about the configuration of the room. You can use it in many different situations, locations. You can do it for outdoors, which is another big use case. So think about like oil rigs where you have pipes going for miles, right? Mm -hmm. There is no IoT, there is no internet connectivity, there is nothing out there in the field. And you can have a robot actually doing inspection uh, there where no other solution will be feasible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's and you can be able to send the robots to the places that people aren't super excited about having right. to go to be doing the logging anyway. I think, you know, sometimes people hear about these new innovative solutions that are coming out and think like, oh, well, isn't that, you know, removing a lot of people's jobs or whatever it may be. But I think at the end of the day, it's yeah. more just augmenting what they do and yeah, allowing no. them more time to focus on the important things and not having to go and do yeah. that manual process of traveling out and capturing. And then, you know, you're correct. Okay. I mean, that, that's it. <laughs> That's a great point. Like so far, we've been doing this for several years now. Mm -hmm. So far, I'm not aware of a single company that is trying to replace people. Right. It's not a single company. It's usually we cannot have people doing this because right. it's dangerous. Or most of the time is we are not doing this at all. This is a use case that we are not solving right now because we don't have the personnel or the training will be too much. It will not be feasible to do. We want this solution to start doing something new instead of replacing something that's been done right now. Right. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good way to put it. Um, it's it, it's nothing to be afraid of. I think if anything, it's just helping efficiency, helping safety, as you said, being proactive right. instead of reactive is going to help um, you know avoid some major crisis, which can be super expensive. And so I think it's it's really awesome to hear use cases like that. Yeah. Um, are there, you know, outside of sort of like industrial type of use cases, is there, are there other areas that you're really excited about machine learning, whether it's areas where it's being used now, or like even things you're envisioning for the future next five or 10 years of where you think this can really go? Well, we, I, I usually say that humans are really, really bad thinking in exponentials. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you look back, I mean, I usually sit down with people and talk about this in 2016, okay, that's only six years ago, right? 2016 is when PyTorch came mm -hmm. to, to existence. 2015, it was TensorFlow. So the two major libraries that we're using right now, they didn't exist seven years ago. Yeah, they're very right? new. <laughs> so now look at all of the progress we've made in these seven years. So mm -hmm. it, it's just incredible. So trying to extrapolate that, what's going to happen in the next seven years I think anything that I tell you right now is going to be really, really small compared to where we actually get. But I'm really, really excited about uh, AI that's generating things right now, generating content. Uh, you know, you have text, you have video, you have audio, and you have code. And especially 
very, very excited about uh, tools that generate code. Like mm -hmm. uh, I think I posted yesterday on Twitter, uh, Business Insider reported last week that Google is has this secret project, which I guess is not secret anymore, called Pitchfork. <laughs> and that project is, is, is AI that's going to write code and rewrite itself or update itself. And that is amazing to me. You have alpha code from DeepMind, you have Codex from OpenAI, you have Copilot from Microsoft and OpenAI using Codex in the background. You have all of these efforts trying to automate the creation of code. And we're not just talking about code autocomplete or fancy generation of code, but we're talking about systems that interpret what you want to do and generate the code to solve those problems. And again, it, it, everyone goes directly to, well, is that gonna replace developers? No, 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 I don't think about it that, I don't think we're, I mean, in an infinite time scale, sure, I don't think we're gonna be alive to see that, but I'm really excited about the possibilities that that's going to open. Mm -hmm. I was listening to Lex Freeman the other day and he was talking to this FBI guy I uh, don't remember his name, but he's talking about the dangers of the security uh, flaws of our systems and how many bad actors are trying to exploit them. Now, think about the possibilities of having AI fixing those for us, identifying those problems and writing the code that's going to fix all of that. Like if you start thinking about what this is going to open and what this is going to let us do, the, the possibilities are or literally we cannot think about all of them. They're infinite. So I'm really excited about that area of AI. I think it's moving really fast. Everyone is excited about it. Everyone is investing in it. So that's that's great news, I think. Yeah, those are all some really great points. And I, I like the optimism that you bring to this discussion while also acknowledging that, you know, there are there can be risks and there can be downsides. But um at the end of the day, I think that the benefits will way outweigh that. And because yeah. the technology is advancing so quickly, we can find ways to try to beat some of those bad actors. Um, and you, yeah. you, said it, you said it pretty great. Like we can try to make predictions for five, 10 years, but it might be just a blip on the radar or maybe it's like a different direction of where we end up going, but it's still um, always fun to have that discussion. Um, yeah. you know, you're right. It's all, so much has happened within the past five years. I think we sometimes forget to just sit down and look at that of like, all these things it's are incredible. <laughs> yeah just it's incredible yeah that's awesome um so so yeah what would you say would be if someone's listening that's trying to get into machine learning a career in machine learning or learning um about it what would you say are some big mistakes when it comes to machine learning whether it's like in real production or even just you know, going to class, trying to figure out, learn some of the main basics of machine learning? Like, do you have any tips or things to avoid? Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, one of the problems with machine learning is it's a very dense field. What I mean by that is it's not just follow these three points and mm -hmm. you're going to become one, right? It requires a lot of work. So uh, I think one mistake is letting that overwhelm you. I think that's a huge mistake. Uh, some people try to make this a linear process, like they they usually recommend, okay, so just go and take calculus classes and then take linear algebra classes. And then, you know, after three years of math preparation, now you're ready. I don't think that's the way to approach the field. Mm -hmm. I'm a hands-on person. And I think 
you will be better off if you start building things. Like if you have the foundations of a software developer, you can literally tomorrow start following tutorials where you get to build projects that use machine learning. Now, obviously you're not gonna complete this in a, in a week and you're gonna be a machine learning engineer. That's not the way it works, but you're gonna start right away building things. And I think that's the fundamental piece that you have to do. You need to start doing classes, math, all of that is great. You're gonna need all of that at some point when it's necessary, but start focusing on doing things, on solving problems. You get Kaggle, you get YouTube videos, you get courses that start from scratch and will help you, will guide you in which problems you need to focus on first. Start there. And I think you're, you know, with enough time, you're definitely going to make it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Don't try to learn everything up front, you know, try to put it to practice and actually do do some of the stuff instead of just continuously um, taking classes and learning, because that also might help you figure out what path you want to go down and what focus yeah. you want to have, what emphasis. Um, that's, I think that's a really good point. As I think yeah, machine, machine learning is a huge field. It's not yeah. just machine learning. Like for yeah. example, what I, what I focused on is specifically on computer vision, mm -hmm. but you have people that are experts or time series analysis. You have people that only work with structured data. You have people that only work in natural language. There's so many subfields, mm -hmm. uh, that, yeah, you first need to see or get exposed to all of them just to realize, okay, this is the type of stuff that I really enjoy. Uh, yeah, you first need to get exposed to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you could probably apply that to so many different fields. You know, I've talked to people that are just starting to learn to code and it's just like that with like programming languages and frameworks and don't try to learn all of them at once. Even if you pick Correct. just JavaScript, there's so many different focuses within that. So I think it's really important to yeah. figure out like what your interests are and what you want to use that for um, in your career. And then if you change your mind in five years, then you at least have a base understanding and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I mean, these skills are, the good thing about all of these skills is that it, they're not exclusive for machine learning. Even if you don't like them, you're going to have to learn how to write code in Python. And Python is not exclusive to machine learning. You can use Python in all sort of fields or subfields and developing and, and all of that. Uh, math and certain concepts of math, they're super helpful in a bunch of different fields. They're going to help you learn, analyze problems, break them down into smaller pieces, all of those skills will serve you well, whether you use them for a machine learning engineering job or for something else. So yeah, all of those super great skills to have for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. And it's, it's really exciting to see more and more people talking about it. Um, and the, you know, even just the title machine learning engineer is somewhat new to the field. And so it's cool it you to see that rising. Um, Awesome. And so I was looking at your YouTube channel and I think one of the videos that I saw was on um, bias and variance and sort of the different sure. difference and explanation of those in simple terms. I thought just for people listening so that they can get like a sample of some of the type of content you create, um, it would be fun for you to just explain that here um, in yeah. simple terms. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So in general terms, what I'm trying to do with my YouTube channel is there, you know, when you go to YouTube and machine learning education, Mm -hmm. There are specific categories and most creators fall into one of these categories. There are people that give news, the people that talk about papers, people that, that just focus on, on, on main concepts. 
what I try to create, and you'll see that in my latest videos, is more of like a story-based content where I try to uh, give you a good story, something maybe that's practical, something that happened, and then point you into the direction of one specific concept or something that's going to help you with that. So that's sort of like the idea. Uh, for the, the video of bias and variance, that it's, uh, I think that video is the one that's a letter, uh, somebody mm -hmm. trying to, to determine what to do with one specific model. And the whole goal of that video is how do we break and think about these two concepts that are fundamental for machine learning. They, they are all over the place and you're gonna see them from, from day one. And specifically the way I like to think about them is bias is about assumptions that a model makes. Like if you're building a model, a model that makes too many assumptions about something is gonna have a lot of bias. So for example, a linear model the linear model decides that the information, there is a linear relationship between the, the input features and the target value. That is a big assumption that that model is making, is has advantages and disadvantages. The advantages is a very simple model. The disadvantage is that it's a big bias. The model says, I don't care what the data says, I'm going to assume the, the relationship is linear. Uh, on the other side, you have variance, mm -hmm. which is the sensitivity of a model of when he sees new data. So every time we add new data to our data set, the model might change, might bend itself to try to follow that data. Mm -hmm. Advantages is the model is very flexible. The disadvantage is that the model is very flexible. So it's the same thing. So now <laughs> the model might see data that's actually noise, but mm -hmm. might want to try to, to say, well, that noise is actually important when it's actually not important. So like having a little bit of bias, is very important for a model. Having a little bit of variance is also very important uh, for the model. So we also have to find that trade-off and there are different tools that you can use to sort of like find that, that perfect trade-offs. But that that's the way I like to think about those two terms, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That's, that's extremely helpful. And I think it's um, good to get kind of like a taste of the type of content you do on your channel, um, which which I'll definitely put the link again for that in the show notes, because it's it's, a really helpful resource. It's great that there's so many free resources like this now for folks that are learning either in classes or on their own or just want a refresher. Um, is there, and I know you've grown your following a lot on Twitter as well. Is that, um, how did you sort of originally decide to start doing content creation on the side? Was it just like through community and just as you started learning, you wanted to try to create this to help people or, or what, how did you originally know that that was kind of a good path? So, well, so <laughs> since I graduated, I, when I, when I graduated for the first time, I started collaborating with the, the college I went to and started okay. uh, teaching teaching people there. Uh, then I came here to the States and I obviously stopped doing that, but I've always wanted to teach. Mm -hmm. And I think in 2020, I saw an opportunity to start doing it again. Why not to go out there? And I, first I wanted to create a YouTube channel, but there is a lot more that goes into YouTube that just start writing. So Twitter was a very low barrier uh, mm -hmm. network to do that. So I started just putting tidbits out there of things that I do and I find every day when I'm doing my work and whatnot. And it started growing from there. And yeah, it's grown quite a, a bit. I think it's uh, around 200,000 followers now mm -hmm. uh, on Twitter. And obviously the, the natural extension to Twitter was gonna be YouTube. At some point right. I wanted to do that. Uh, Finally, I decided to, to pull the plug 
I've been 129 days on YouTube. Somebody asked me today. That's what I know. Then <laughs> 129 days on YouTube. So uh, I think like 20 something videos I've posted so far. Wow. But yeah, I'm happy. The, the response has been great. Like people are subscribing. So mm -hmm. that's that's awesome. And people are telling me that the videos are helpful. Uh, that's yeah, that's exactly a feedback that I was looking for to just keep creating more videos. Yeah. Well, that's that's awesome. Congrats, because it's I know it's not easily done. And, um, you know, content creation can be very time consuming. I think a lot of yeah. people that haven't done it don't appreciate even like a five minute YouTube video um, can take hours and hours, if not days, to yes. kind yeah, of depending on what you're working on. So um impressive that you have time to do all of that outside of the normal day-to-day -day. well I have I have a uh I, I'm lucky enough that my wife works with me on the videos oh, cool. so I honestly just work on the script and the recording my wife does all of the editing so oh, wow. all of that is is thanks to her that's yeah. the only way I can pull it off like yeah. without her there's no way I could yeah <laughs> It's well, a that's, time, that's like, a dream team videos. for sure. That's uh, yeah, for sure. That's yeah. a good collaboration. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Well, hey, this has all been really interesting for me. I really appreciate you taking time um, to chat. I know you and I have kind of been connected through Twitter for a while now, so it's great to finally chat. Um, one last question I had before we go is if there's any other sort of technologies, tools, or frameworks that you're really excited about right now um or even looking into 2023 like anything you have on the roadmap that you want to check out um related to machine learning or not <laughs> i think yeah i think uh like i mentioned anything that we're doing with generating things with ai it's super interesting to me especially mm -hmm. co-generation with ai so i will definitely keep a, an eye on that there are many many different projects that are coming out uh, GPT-4 GPT supposedly is coming out probably in the next month or so. And mm -hmm. um, that middle layer, so we have GPT-3 as the brain or GPT-4 as the brain, the middle layer that's going to start, uh, you know, people are going to start creating are those tools that are going to use the brain in the background. But they are... Like right now, everyone is talking about prompt engineering and, and how to prompt these models to make them do whatever they want. I'm very excited about this middle layer that's going to use the brain in the background. Like we're not going to have to write prompts. I'm going to start using that brain to provide a lot of value. Like Copilot is one of them. Mm -hmm. But you can think about like medical systems where you can train one of these models on one specific disease, for example, and the medical system will provide uh, recommendations ba based on the symptoms of a patient. Like all of these tools that are going to, to be created in the next one, two, three years, I'm very, very excited about them. They think they're gonna open many, many different doors, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's all, it's very exciting. Um, I, I think it's, it, once you find the community of people that are also really excited about this and working in this area, it, like I try to follow people on all these different topics on Twitter, just because if I'm not like working in machine learning in my day-to-day -day at work, I can still stay in the know. And so it's, yeah. um, I think that's like just a, another great thing about social media and content creation and stuff like that is like, I don't have to take the time to go research what's really important right now. I can, you know, have a few trusted people and be like, oh, whoa, they're talking about this. That's definitely something that's important. So Really yeah. appreciate the feedback there. There's um, some very exciting things coming. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much, Santiago, for taking the time to chat today. Um, I know you're busy, so really appreciate it. And for anyone listening, I'll put a couple different ways that you can find his content and definitely encourage you to reach out um, if you have any questions, feedback, anything like that. I'm sure, Santiago, you get a lot of messages, so I'm not going to say you respond to all messages, but... <laughs> okay. I try my best. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, have a great um, week and going into the holiday season. Can't believe it's almost December already. Um, yeah. And I look forward to keeping in touch. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. All right. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to SelectStar, your resource for innovative technology and developer topics. You can find our episodes in all the usual places, Spotify, Apple, Google, RSS, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe, and share. You can learn more about HarperDB at harperdb.io.